worship. I want to talk to you and minister to you this morning out of the book of Matthew chapter 9. If you would give me a few moments of your time. Uh, I know I took a bit of time taking the offering, but I felt that I needed to share those stories. Some of the stories I shared half, uh, half past six Lee, right? That's not even the right word to use, but you get what I'm trying to say. I shared it uh, on the camera with you uh, online, uh, and some of it I didn't finish because I always prefer uh, saying some, some of these things personally uh, when you're here. And uh, I just want to encourage you and remind you that we serve a God who remembers. So if you honor Him, He will always honor you in return. Let's look at Matthew 9 this morning. I want to talk to you uh, this morning about a sermon uh, that I think many times uh, we find dismissed uh, in the kingdom of God. I want to talk to you about gaining God's attention. It's interesting that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We serve a powerful and mighty God. We serve a God who is just, a God who is good, a God who is merciful, a God who is gracious. And as much as that is true, we are also living in a world of attention seekers. We live in a generation that seeks a lot of attention. And I think part of that has been drawn from social media itself. I kid you not, when we went on YouTube, I was keen in looking at the thumbs up. Soon it gets to you. Like, why they didn't like my sermon? Huh? Why? Huh? Why they didn't give? It gets to you. So I slowly but surely said, I could care less. Because the more I'm concerned about that, but the truth is, when you go too deep into it, the way out is far. And sometimes people get sucked into it so badly. And they want acceptance. They want people to like them. They want people to accept them. They want people to agree with them. And this has tuned our mind to a, to, a, to, a, to a way that if we are not liked or we feel that we are rejected, we feel something is wrong with us. We start condemning ourselves. We start looking down on ourselves just because someone didn't give us a thumbs up. And so I'm just saying that this is an attention-seeking generation. We have to be cautious. I prayed uh, this week on Monday, I got a call. Brother Victor asked me if we would, can go and pray for a lady um, who's got skin cancer. And so we drove down to Satya Alam and we prayed for this lady there. But in my conversation with her, I want you to listen to this because this is where the sermon really came from. In our conversation with her, I began to talk to her uh, she was indeed a treasurer in the church. She was, she's been a Christian for 20 years now. Been in church for 20 years. Been a Christian for 20 years. She was a church treasurer at one time. She's moved house since. And now she's attending another church closer to Satya Alam. And she began to share this with me. She said, but pastor, when I spend time in prayer every day, I don't know what to pray. She said, I pray, no doubt. I, every day I set time aside to talk to God, but my prayer only seems to last for about five to ten minutes, the max. 
She said, I don't know what to pray for. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. And I began to think upon, upon this, 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 this statement she made. And I began to ponder. I began to ask. I said, the church, does the church not show you the importance? She said, yeah, there's prayer meetings. And when we get a chance, we go, so on and so forth. But I began to ponder upon that because even a few months ago, I was standing outside the church talking to an older gentleman. And he was sharing with me, he's about 70 odd years old. And he said, pastor, I don't know how to pray Christian for 15, 20 years. And it seemed like as though five, ten minutes of just talking to God has become very acceptable because it seems that they don't know how to pray. And I want to talk to you about this subject because I think it is so greatly necessary that we get God's attention in our prayer lives. And sometimes, in order to get God's attention, it requires some fundamentals that I want to talk to you about. I believe in discipleship. I believe that as a church, we function on that ground. And the most effective way on learning how to pray is by coming to church for prayer and listening to others praying. That's how I learned how to pray. I learned to pray because I came to church and I heard my pastor praying every time I was there and I learned to pray from him. And I watched his life. I watched the way he called out to God. I watched the way he spoke to God. I watched, and I began to pick up. I realized this is what I need to pray for. This is what I need to pray for. This is what I need to talk to God about. This is what I need to bring to God. I learned to pray by watching my pastor. I want to talk to you about gaining attention and gaining God's attention. Because in the bit of gaining attention as Christians, one of the most important things we should desire for is to gain God's attention. This is where answered prayers reside. God getting personal with us. Our faith is built on relationship and God desires always, beloved, to show up in our lives and get intimate with us. Matthew chapter 9, verses 20. In this text, I want you to read Matthew 9, verses 20 with me. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. So here our text narrates the healing of a woman with the issue of blood. 
She has had this issue for 12 years and undeniably beloved, it exhausted and tired her. You go to Luke chapter 8 and you would find the common uh, connection to this in Luke 8.43, having a flow of blood for 12 years, spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. She spent all of her livelihood, the Bible says. She somehow comes to the revelation right here. She realized, I've done everything I can do. Everything that possibly a human being can do. She has done it all. She has done what she knows she can do. And now she comes to the conclusion of this profound statement. She says these words, If only... I may touch his garment. I want to home in on that. Because it seems that she went around the world for 12 years and came to the conclusion that if only I can touch the hem of his garment. Here's a woman. I believe money was no subject at a point of time for her. Here was a woman that essentially could afford um, uh, treatment and all that she needed to do at a point. And here was a woman that indeed the frustrations of life had come to her. This was indeed an aha moment. You know what an aha moment is? Revelation. Aha! It's like aha! You know, you did everything. Aha! Finally, you come to aha. If only I can touch Jesus. And sometimes, you know, you think to yourself, woman, if you just got that 10 years ago, you would be free today. But Jesus was not in ministry 10 years before, right? Three years, indeed. Jesus was only in ministry for about three years. The point of the matter is this, beloved. We must allow this revelation to sink in because we must desire, just like this woman, to get God's attention. We must desire that. And I'm saying to you this morning, prayer is more than mere words. Prayer is more than just words. This is, the, this is something we must establish in us. It must resonate within us, beloved, that the most important attention we need is drawing in God's attention. It can become so routine to pray. It becomes so routine that we become unconcerned about getting God's attention. We can pray and get up from prayer and move away from prayer without the concern about getting God's attention. Even myself, I realize how true this is. On Monday, when I was talking to this lady, I was telling her, Ma'am, you have to contend for God's attention. You have to ask God to show up in your life. And until He shows up, you must never stop going after him and when i came back brother victor sent me a text and he said this he said pastor how true that is that indeed we must seek god's attention if we are going to get god's healing and it's so true because it can become so routine and the sooner we realize this the sooner we understand this the sooner we will tap into god's power i remember when i was in school told my wife this story a few weeks ago and she laughed at me. I faked the stomach pain. So my mom took me to a clinic 
and that I was sitting there, I didn't want to go to school. You know, back in those days to get MC, you have to go to the clinic. And then you tell the doctor what's wrong with you. So the doctor, you know, took the stethoscope, he checked, he said, seems okay. I said, no pain, doctor. <laughs> Some of you laughing because you did this. <laughs> and so, and so uh, uh, I remember faking it just so that I could not go to school. Then there was another time where I went to a medical, uh, I went for eye tests. This was comical. It was close to our house. And um, you know how you can blur your eyes at will? <laughs> I'm a young man. I wanted attention. Poor fellow. So what I did was I went to a medical, I went for an eye exam. And so when he put the, the, he put the machine up to me, I blurred my eye at will. Blurred it. So you know, you know you can do that. Every one of you will be able. So I blurred. He came up with the exam test. He said, wow, 850 your eye power. <laughs> so, so they fell for it. They fell for it. And so, son, we have to take you into a medical center. And they took me to Tun Hussein On or something like that. I think Tun Hussein And then, and you know there you can't cheat the doctors, right? <laughs> you can't cheat them. Somehow they knew. So they ran all the tests on me and they said, no, his eyes are okay. You know what that was? ADD, Attention Deficit Disorder. I was trying to get the attention of my parents. The truth is, as, as comical as the story is, I tell you, beloved, this is exactly the desire of everyone's heart. And I want you to know that Jesus can give you that attention that you're looking for. That's the reality. Look at this text. I mean, here's a woman that was focused. She intended one thing. She was so focused in the midst of the crowd. You know what she did? She pushed everyone aside. She became so aware of her need to get his attention that she even concocted a plan to touch the hem of his garment in the midst of the crowd. The masses that she had to brush aside. Now you can't. You got COVID-19. Three meters. No crowd. So to run to Jesus easier now. <laughs> But the masses that she had to brush aside. Imagine this, there was a crowd there. She had to fight through all these obstacles just so she could get to Jesus. And the truth is this evening, we can only identify that to a spirit of determination. This was a woman that was determined. She didn't care who else was giving her attention. She wanted the one and the only one to give her attention at this time. It was Jesus. She fought her way through. She pushed aside everything else. And I'm declaring to you, this is the same aspiration we must have. We need to set it in our hearts that every time we come to prayer, we must be determined to get God's attention. Push everything else aside. Put everything that will get in the way aside. It is deciding to push aside. We may not be able to remove those obstacles. You know, there were people there that day. How many know? And these people, she couldn't just lift them up and say, huh. Put that. No, what she had to do, she had to push it. Sometimes we've got to push some things aside to get God's attention. We've got to push some meetings aside to get God's attention. We've got to push aside some appointments to get God's attention. We've got to push aside some time. We've got to push aside some sleep to get God's attention. I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to read the word. 
I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to push aside every obstacle and every distraction possible so that I can touch the hem of Jesus' garment. You see, our determination conveys to God our desperation. Can I say that again? Our determination conveys to God our desperation. This woman came only for one reason. Do you realize the Bible says she came with one intention? She did not come so that Jesus will turn around and look at her. She did not come so that Jesus will say, Hey, my daughter, hey, you're the one with the issue of blood. No, she said only one thing she wanted. Touch, heal, gone. That's all. Touch, heal, gone. And Jesus was cool with that. Touch, heal, gone. That's all she wanted. In her mind, she was so determined to do it. And I'm here to tell you, that's how you have to be in your prayer life. See, the hem of Jesus' garment is where it all began. I'm going to bring this down in the next two hours. That was, that was where it all began. Think with me. Just a few. All it was, was the hem of his garment. Now, on the garment was what we call tassels. Tassels are what you find on scarves. You know, when you have those scarves and you have those little uh, edges on the bottom of the scarves, those are tassels. And when, you, when, when, when she intended to touch the tassel, her intention was to only touch that one individual thread that was jutting out. That's all. That was the kind of faith she had. That was all she wanted. She only wanted to touch that little thread that border that was protruding out from the entire garment and that was all she could do think about it at that point of time she could not shout out you know hey jesus listen to me she couldn't do that she would have been stoned right or, or she couldn't even somehow uh, uh, you know get down on this on on the scene there and throw a fit and get into a drama mode she couldn't but she decided the only thing i can do and if this doesn't work, I don't know what else will be. She said the only thing. You see, Jesus doesn't expect from us what we cannot do. He always expects from us what we can do. She had the ability to walk up to that tread. She had the ability to reach out to that thread. She had, you see, this is the whole concept today that's being promoted, isn't it? Oh, you have to do this and, you have, and then we promote legalism. Can I encourage you this morning? God wants us to do what He's called us to do and do what we can do. The last thing she needed was to draw the crowd's attention on her because she would have been pushed away. It was not significant by the world standard, if you think about it. Nothing fantastical about her action, but it got the attention of the one she came for. Such a simple act of faith, and it got the attention of the one she came for. So I want you to think, the simplicity of the God we serve, the power 
that resides in him is so in it's so mind-blowing that we can come to him with the simpleness of faith and trigger the power of the living God so if that is true what was it in this because Matthew 14 tells us beloved in verses 35 to 36 when the men of that place recognized him Matthew 14 look at this they sent out into all that surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick and begged him that they may only touch the hem of his garment. So now it's getting into a fad. People have realized, oh, touch his garment, heal. Touch his garment. So, the, you know, maybe there was someone making money from it. You mau sentuh dia punya garment lah, lima ringgit. Maybe, you know, I boleh kasih dia punya garment. You know, they get healed. I don't know, maybe it became a money making, but I'm telling you, there was something that resonated from this. That somehow, they understood that if only they could touch the hem of his garment, they were made perfectly well. So what is this? What is the hem of the garment? I'm convinced that to a certain extent, the hem of Jesus' garment, when we are reaching out to touch it, they are represented by the words we speak. We speak words of faith to God. It wasn't somewhat fun, it wasn't somewhat a fun fair that, that, you know, this woman with the issue of blood was portrayed. It wasn't the level of voice that she approached Jesus with. But I begin to ponder what was it that the hem of Jesus' garment represents to us? Because we know we cannot reach that garment today. But what is it that will allow me to have that same inclination as the woman to reach out? How do I convey this to the church? And God began to show me the one verse virtue that you find in this woman one virtue you find in this woman that literally allowed her to touch the hem is simply this she was seeking you want to touch God's garment in our terms today it is seeking when you are seeking God, when you are willing to push aside everything that comes in your way, when you are willing to put aside all the obstacles, all the distraction, when you are willing to push aside all that comes through your life and say, I need God, I am going to get to Jesus, no matter what I am going, you are seeking, 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 you will find Him. Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 13, look at the passage, and if you will seek me, you will find me. When you search for me with all your heart. So now it brings us to the question, are we searching for him? Are we seeking him? In our prayer, do we really seek to be in his presence? Are we seeking that? Second Chronicles 7.14, you've heard me quote this scripture numbers of times. It's my favorite scripture in the Bible. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Seek. Seek. Years ago, I used to play hide and seek. 
I don't anymore. Not with yen. <laughs> yeah, go count. <laughs> you know. But, but anyway, um, if we did it now, this is probably what I'll do. Because we used to play hide and seek with my cousins. And we used to tell, okay, let's play hide and seek. And so one of them will go count. And they'll wait. And they'll wait. They'll be watching TV. We're not seeking. We told them to hide, but we sat down and watched TV. No one's looking for them. And eventually, after a long while, they realized, why no one came looking for us? <laughs> we knew you'll come out eventually. We didn't have to seek for you. You know, we didn't have... But the point is, how many times we do that with God? We don't seek Him. We'd ask Him, okay, God, you know what? Show up, God. And then we've... We're watching TV. We're not seeking. We're not seeking. We're minding our own business. We're distracted with life. We're not seeking Him. And God says, find me. Look for me. Okay, I'm going to hide. One, two, three, four. And then you sit down. God goes and hides. And then God says, why you didn't come looking for me? TV, the program was so interesting. I couldn't, no time to look for you. Are you, are you connecting the dots here? You have to be seeking to find Him. Why doesn't God show up? Why am I not getting God's attention? Are you seeking? Are you really spending time seeking for Him? Are you pushing aside all the obstacles seeking for Him? The woman with the issue of blood in the virtue of her desperation Behind all that was going on, the innate desperation of her heart was undergirded with the virtue of seeking. She needed God and nothing else would satisfy her but Jesus. Her desperation for God was fueled by her realization for Him. She touched Jesus in her desperation and you can find, I don't even have the time to tell you all the stories, but you know the story of Hannah in the Bible who cried out to God in desperation for a son, went before God, seeking God. God, Penina, she has a child. My husband is, 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 you know, unhappy with me. I cannot even give him a child. And she's going on and on and on and she's desperate. And lo and behold, what does Eli, the crooked priest, come and tell him, tell her, are you drunk? What's wrong with you, Hannah? But you see, she wasn't praying. The Bible says she wasn't even praying with her lips open or she wasn't even speaking with her lips audibly. The Bible says she was praying, but it was inside. It was from her heart. So I'm not talking about being audible. I'm not talking about having a posture and kneeling down and praying. I'm, not a, I'm talking about you desperately wanting God in your heart. You're seeking you're seeking. It's terrifying when you think that there are so many Christians who can only seem to spend very little time with God in prayer. When indeed prayer is a relationship that ought to be built up 
As time goes on, I started off praying five minutes. Then I went on ten minutes. And today I can pray for hours. I can pray and seek God. You know, I get up in the morning. You know my story. I spend time at four praying at about 5.30. I read a book. I read the Bible. And then I begin to come to church at seven, get the kids up into bath, get them showered, come to church at seven, pray at church at seven to about 7.45, eight, leave and I head off home. When the kids were in school. But, but my point is, I have so much to talk to God. Because my relationship with God has grown. Seeking. I'm seeking you, God. See, I can't even tell you what words you need to bring to God. Because when you're seeking for Him, you will know the words to talk to Him. You know, when you play hide and seek, what do you do? Hot, cold, hot, you scream, right? And then you expect the guy who's hiding to shout back at you. Then you know where he is, isn't it? So you're not going to get a response, but we always try to get some kind of clue because you're seeking, so you're searching. And that's the same with the living God. Daniel. In the book of Daniel chapter 9, you can read that. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to close off the sermon this morning. But he went into a time of extended prayer. Daniel chapter 9 verses 1 through 4. He fasted. He prayed. He laid hold of God. He spent time with God, seeking God for his nation and for his people. You know the centurion who was servant was sick. You remember the story. He came up to Jesus and he told Jesus, he said, my servant is sick. What did he do? Jesus says, I'll come to your house. He says, no, at your word, my servant will be healed. His desperation fueled God's attention. When you seek him, you will find him. So why so many Christians don't encounter God and His presence? You have to ask yourself, beloved, have you encountered the presence of God in your prayer life, truly? Because God wants to come down and meet with us every day. In Psalms 34, 18, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. I got this text, I think uh, Brother Dennis forwarded this to me, Thomas Dorsey, a young man, started a publishing company, founded a national convention gospel choir. This man is big time in gospel music. Here's a man who made an impact writing songs for God, gospel songs that ministered to the millions. And when you study his story, there was a time when he was singing to a St. Louis audience. He was handed a telegram on stage, I believe. And in the telegram, it, was, it said, your wife has just died. So Thomas, at this point of time, got off and immediately tried to rush home. On his way back, the next morning, I believe, when he arrived, he got, another, uh, he got another update and as he arrived, he found out his newborn child had also died. This broke this man, losing his wife the night before, losing his son the very next morning. He sat down, he grew angry with God. 
He said, I felt God had done me an injustice. He said, I didn't want to serve him anymore. Then a friend took him to a neighborhood music school. That evening, Thomas sat down at a piano and he began to play and he prayed. He poured out his heart to God and what wonderful words they were. These were the words that came. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I am tired. I am weak. I am worn through the storm, through the night. Lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me home. And he went on to say, that night, God healed him. He felt such a deliverance. He went on from that night. From being a man that didn't want to serve God, being a man that wanted nothing to do with God, being a man that was so upset with God, but that one encounter with God that night propelled him into writing thousands of songs that are sung in churches. See, everything changes when we get God's attention. This is what happened in this text, isn't it? Just bear with me. I know I'm going a little longer than I expected. But this is what happened in this text. Here's a woman. Everything changed. She came with bleeding issues. And one encounter with the living God changed her life. See, this isn't even exhaustive. There's so much that happened in this woman's life in a brief meeting with Jesus. You know the amount of stories she'll probably be able to tell? You know what it meant to be unclean in those days? To have no one sit where you sat because you were bleeding? To have no one share the bed because you were bleeding? You know how unclean and condemned this woman probably felt? Insulted. The stories she can say of that one singular meeting she had with Jesus that dramatically changed her life. Jesus turning around and said these profound words. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. She was a somebody or rather she was a nobody when she came to Jesus and now she's become a child of God. But listen to the profound reality that happens. She encountered Jesus. And I can tell you as we close here, that in the innate desire of every human being, we love to be given attention. We want that. And so when we don't get it from Jesus, because we're not seeking, we want it from someone else. We start looking to be accepted. And the, but if we seek Him, you see, seeking God cannot replace, be replaced with activities and getting busy in church. Seeking God is a necessity for everybody, immaterial of where you are in your faith with God. But I'll tell you this as I close right here, beloved. I wondered as I was bringing this down, I was in the shower yesterday and this was a bathroom thought. But I thought, what if Jesus ignored this woman? She touched him, and then she expected 
a turn. And Jesus just went on. I'll tell you what happened. She still got healed. She still got healed. The Bible says the moment she touched the hammer, she, still, she got healed. Jesus didn't have to turn around for her to get healed. But I'll tell you something. Those words she heard that day didn't just heal her, but delivered her. That's the difference. When you get God's attention, you get more than just what you came for. And this is what is so powerful and true, beloved. I encourage you this morning, never take prayer lightly. God hears every one of your prayers. Every one of your... Even though you feel, Jesus, why you didn't turn around and look at me? Well, He gave you that healing, didn't He? He still helped you in that. And that's why we take it so lightly. We don't even seek Him because we are getting what we want. Without Jesus turning, she still got a healing. Because that's what the touch did. It brought the healing. But the turn set her free because she heard words she never heard before oh daughter child you're mine and that's what happens when jesus shows up and gives you attention and i want to challenge you don't settle for just the healing don't settle to just get what you want don't settle to just touch the hem of God and be satisfied with Him providing for you, meeting your needs, taking care of you. No, I challenge you. You need to get personal with God. You need God to turn around and talk to you, speak words to you that will change your life. Can I encourage you? Don't stop praying. Don't give up praying. Because I'm telling you, beloved, God wants to give you attention for the eyes of the lord are on the righteous his eyes are open to their prayers first john 5 14 now this is the confidence we have in him we ask anything according to his will he he hears us he's listening every prayer he listens i want you to bow your heads with me